This episode is brought to you by Levitt Pavilion. This summer, check out one of my favorite outdoor concert venues in Denver, Levitt Pavilion. May through October, Levitt is offering ticketed and totally free all-ages concerts. I feel like we just go to anything that's free because it's like the kids can be at the show and it's people aren't weird about it and you can like bring a picnic. It's awesome. Some of the free shows this season include Iskali, Melvin Seals, War and Treaty, Sunny War, Chali Tuna, and more. To RSVP for free shows and buy tickets, plus see the full concert schedule, go to levittdenver.org. That's levittdenver.org. Today on CityCast Denver. Hundreds of migrants are arriving every week in a city struggling to house folks already living here. But Denverites are organizing to help, armed with spreadsheets, hot meals, open doors, and feisty Facebook groups. So why does one new survey say Denver isn't feeling the holiday spirit this year? I've got our own green chili and politics correspondent Justine Sandoval on today to help me break it all down. Today is Tuesday, December 12th. I'm Bree Davies, and here's what Denver's talking about. Did you put your holiday tamale order in yet? Not yet. I'm debating how ambitious I feel if I should make them myself. I admire anybody that makes them because the labor is... Yeah, I probably won't. Intense. But I will be probably a latecomer in the line for La Casita. <laughs> Did you see that article about how many tamales they make? 18,000 a day? A day. They have their own special state-of-the-art steamers to make that many tamales. Isn't I that amazing? I had no clue. And my respect level just like same. tripled. I felt the same way. I was up late last night uh, putting in my revision order before they're, they were done for the for the season. So I've got my old pork and uh, red chili tamales. And then I'm going to try their sweet ones, which theirs have pineapple in them. Oh, so you know, I've never been a fan of sweet ones. So I never really try them. But, you know, maybe this might be the year. There are so many different kinds of sweet ones. I would say try a couple, you know. Uh, Okay, before we get started, listeners, we need your help with something. We're picking our wins and fails of the year on this Friday show, and we want to hear from you. We want to know what you think were the biggest wins and the biggest fails here in Denver this year, the biggest flops, the biggest victories, things that defined us in the mile high in 2023. Send us a text or leave us a voicemail at the Wins and Fails hotline, 720-500-5418. Again, that number is 720-500-5418. And please let us know before Thursday morning. First story, (laughs) pressing in my world as a holiday freak, Um, apparently Denver is... Colorado's a very grinchy place. Um, the Colorado Sun shared results of a recent survey from online gaming outfit casino.org. Colorado came in number two as the number two state in America behind Oklahoma as having the most Grinch-like attitude towards Christmas. We don't like caroling. We don't like eggnog. We don't like gingerbread houses. Justine, are you a Grinch? Um, you know, I don't want to take it so far and say I'm a Grinch, but when I read this, I was like, oh, I'm not alone. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) So I was thinking, why is this? Why do I feel the Grinchiness creeping in during Christmas in Colorado? And I think one is it's cold here. I've spent the holidays in warmer places. And I noticed the attitude's a lot different (laughs) than when you're cold and your car is covered in ice and you have to run errands. Sure. So I think that and then the drivers are really bad. So I think that adds (laughs) the stress. But how do you feel about eggnog? 
Um, I'm I not. That was an interesting yeah, indicator. To I'm me. more of a coquito person. Fair. So not huge on eggnog. Oh, once again, that warmer climate thing creeping in. Um, but yeah, I think that there's, you know, people are just so inundated with the holidays early on. I think that grinchiness starts to creep in. And then, you know, when you factor in the weather, uh, the cost of living in Denver, yes. I think you're trying to manage paying rent and buying gifts and for the And some people's like the new year starting, maybe your rent's going to go up. Yep. I could see where it could be. Totally. Not so fun this time of year. So um, I think a lot of that factors in. For me personally, too, I live in an area that's very touristy. Mm. So everybody's there enjoying the holidays and I'm just trying to slog <laughs> through as best as I can and find parking in my neighborhood. So there's that piece of it, too. I'm like, I get it. That's a really cool pop up christmas bar but i just want to go home like please <laughs> i i just don't this doesn't resonate with me at all i'm a christmas freak i love christmas i love christmas music i love christmas lights i live for this season so i'm sorry that you're having that experience but apparently you and a lot of people in colorado <laughs> i'm glad i'm not alone and that actually brings some christmas cheer to my heart <laughs> okay our next story is um I, you know, I kind of want to start with what you've been doing, Justine, which is um, so it's been you've been volunteering with migrants and it's been almost a year since migrants from South and Central America started arriving here in Denver sort of in in large amounts. Um, we've now had more than 30,000 people arrive here in need of shelter, jobs. I mean, basic things, health care. I, mean, I saw um, there's like I think 2,000 students have entered DPS. So there's a lot of kids, too. But Justine, you've been volunteering what are you doing and what are you seeing? Um, yeah, so I had been trying to get more involved in things going on in my community. And I recently had a friend reach out um, who had plugged me into a Facebook network of different um, community members who are working to fill in all of these aid gaps from the money and services that the city cannot provide to this like large influx of people coming in. Um, so there's a camp right in my neighborhood and there's a group of volunteers have their special Facebook page and they are working together to do some pretty amazing things. I am First of all, so impressed by all of these people, um, mostly women, lots of women organizing, women from all different backgrounds coming together um, to do what they can. But I mean, we have spreadsheets uh, organized so we know who's bringing meals into the camps. We've organized um, even just like clothing items. So there's not like an inundation of things just being dropped off. Yeah, that which, was my worry too, was like, if it's not organized, you get a ton of one thing and then you don't get the thing that folks really need. Yeah, you know? and that's what a lot of these groups have been doing that are strictly volunteers who are just doing this on their free time. Um, they've done a really good job at finding out exactly what people need because then we run into the whole issue yeah, of trash and just you know, nothing that's helpful. We want to be as helpful and as thoughtful as possible. Um, so yeah, we've been working. I've been volunteering with different people and coordinating to take meals down. Um, we just served lunch yesterday. We've helped serve dinner and people are there providing all three meals, um, getting, uh, families and housing. A lot of what I've seen too are people really taking an interest in um, these people's like individual as individuals. So if we find out someone has a talent, they've worked to like get them a guitar or to, you know, get um, you know, specific thing birthdays for the children in the camp, like making sure that 
they're being celebrated and they're being recognized as individuals. So that's been really heartwarming. And being there has been eye-opening about the entire situation for me that I didn't even realize was going on. What did, what did you see that surprised you or that you just weren't aware of? One of the things was how many people are showing up per day. Um, it the is amount a, of folks, the influx of migrants, like how many yes, people? Yes, people are arriving daily. Um, to Denver. And that's because we are a welcoming city, too. And you're yeah. seeing a lot of people stick around because we are doing such a great job helping people. Um, well, and there's not an active sort of feeling of aggression towards those folks like we're maybe seeing in other states where? Yeah, definitely. I mean, Denverites are just being great per usual. So they're really... Um, opening up their their home, like literally homes. There are people that are housing families in their home. Um, so, you know, there's always the Grinches who are, speaking of Grinches, are people like, why don't you put these people in your home? People are. Are really doing that. People really are really that. housing people. So it's been really impressive. And then when you're there, you're getting a lot of the inside information about, you know, what's going on as far as what the city's doing, the experiences people are having um, going through all of that process. So, well, I'm glad you brought up to like celebrating birthdays or just like bringing someone a guitar, like the things that we don't necessarily think about as like housed folks who are going about our days to where we're not in a they're in a huge transition space. So they're looking for the basics, food, shelter, healthcare, access to restroom, stuff like that. But also just like they're human beings. Yeah. Maybe they want to listen to music or celebrate a birth. It just seems so no dub, but I'm glad you brought that up because it's something I don't think we read always mm -hmm. in the stories, the reported stories of it. Yeah. So, um, but I do, before we move on, I, I know you got a little hot goss. There's some, <laughs> there's some groups that are maybe trying to outdo each other in terms of, of how they're helping people. Well, I just thought it, <laughs> So these aid groups and these Facebook groups, it's all over the city. And everybody, I just want to reemphasize how amazing this work it's is. It's like straight mutual aid people yes. showing up for each other. I love it. No organizations, just humans. Yep, just human beings. And it's wonderful. But I did see uh, someone had sent me a screenshot from one of the Central Park groups Um poking fun at the Highlands mommies. Like, don't let the Highlands mommies name fool you. They're doing great work. And I'm like, okay, Central Park moms. <laughs> you do not think that you are like more down to earth than the Highlands moms. Okay, chill out. Everyone's here to help. But I mean, this could be really good. I was these just going say, resources. it's just motivation. Let them compete. <laughs> no, I've heard, and I've heard that too. I've heard that from a lot of folks is like um a, a lot of folks in like, higher income neighborhoods are like showing up with really nice baby stuff. And, you know, I have a kid. I know how quick you go through some things where like you'll use something for three months and it's still in perfectly good condition. So it's really nice to know that maybe that's a little bit of friendly competition. Yeah. I mean, I think to... it's good. Everyone that just means everybody wants to show up. Everyone wants to help. And I guess I'm a little biased in favor of the Highlands mommies because they're truly north. Side they're moms. truly <laughs> north side moms uh, <laughs> are doing the work. So. Go Highlands, mommies. It's so awesome, though, to hear that it's happening across the city, right? Because you're an east sider. You're seeing this on the north side. You're seeing this in Central Park, which is like on the other side of town. Folks are showing up, understanding that if we're trying to help over 30,000 people, it is going to take us as well as the city, as well as tons of amazing nonprofits to do a lot of work just to get people into a safe place. Yeah, it's really heartwarming. And then the other side of it, too, is just you know, realizing how many people don't 
have basic resources, yeah. don't have a stable place to live throughout the year. And it um, really makes us think about, you know, how we, we treat human beings and how we distribute resources across the globe and yeah. why people are put in these situations. Well, I'm glad to hear that it's it's something that we're doing as community in a really great way. Good job, Denver. Yeah, that's a positive thing. We're winning. That's a win for us. This episode is brought to you by the Colorado Wine Board. Because the wine community here is like surprisingly robust. I mean, think about Bigsby's Folly and Infinite Monkey Theorem here in Denver alone. And there are urban wineries all across the Front Range. Then there's the Western Slope, Peonia, I mean, Palisade, hello, Palisade Wine, are you kidding me? It didn't used to really be a thing, but from what I hear, it's very much a thing now. There are more than 165 wineries across Colorado to explore, and they produce all sorts of wine that reflect our unique culture and climate. So finding a label that you're going to love is easy, no matter where your adventure takes you. Discover it for yourself and support local winemakers at coloradowine.com. That's coloradowine.com. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. But this kind of ties into to the House 1000 story. We've been following this, uh, the Johnson administration's plan to house 1,000 people by the end of 2023. Um, Johnson is expected to get 500 people housed after the city closed a, a couple camps last week. And Denverite reported that at that point, the city dashboard was saying around 317 people so far had been housed with these two camp closures. Um, they should be looking at about 500 people. Um, but there's, <laughs> there's two weeks left of 2023. Justine, do you think we're going to, do you think the mayor's going to hit that goal? Um, it's hard to tell. I think they were saying there's about 300 people left in that gap to get into housing by the end of the year. I really hope they do. But after that's done, there's still about 8,000 more people to go. Right. It's not like the problem stops. <laughs> exactly. You know? So I know that, you know, the mayor's office is really working hard to meet those goals. And I think it's promising that they are working so hard. And it was really promising to read about the sweeps last week because they actually had somewhere to go. Unlike before when we were sweeping people to move along to where? I found that to be the most striking part of that story too, was talking to folks in the encampments. They were saying, yeah, usually this has happened to me before, but with the previous administration, it was just keep going. And at least with Johnson administration, they said, here's a bus. We're going to take you somewhere. Yeah. So, I mean, we all want a magic solution. We right. all want this to be solved overnight. It's not. But I think that that was promising because, yeah, totally. there is an extra piece now that actually leads people to hopefully a better situation. I think one person, one of the articles I read had been on the street for eight years yeah. and they were just like, this is just so nice to just be somewhere where the door is locked. You're not controlled by a shelter and you can bring your partner with you. I was going to say if you have family yeah. or maybe you have a pet, which is why a lot of folks don't take the shelter option. Um, this intersects, though, with this conversation we were having about migrants because um, Nine News reported that uh, the city had rented a hotel 
But that hotel was actually already housing unhoused folks from Denver and Aurora. And according to the folks that were living in this hotel, the the manager, the owner just kicked them out to make room for the migrants. And so it's kind of this like very complicated situation where we're trying to serve a lot of people at once. And I don't know. I don't want to think that we have to think about pitting people against each other, but I can see where this can be a real struggle. Oh, yeah. I think this has been and this is one thing I did pick up from people um, while volunteering at the migrant camps is that there is definitely a limited amount of resources and two groups competing for them. And the city is also trying to fulfill this house 1000 situation. So they're in a, a tight spot. Um, there's just not enough to go around. And it's really unfortunate and scary, I think, for a lot of people and for the city of how they're going to deal with this. Um, they had ramped up money and resources to take care of unhoused population here. And then you add in the 30,000 people who have shown up who also need help and aid. And we're trying to figure out how to deal with it. So it really comes down to like just a finite amount of resources for people. For sure. If someone's listening who's like you and's like, I really want to do more, where did you go? How did you start? How did you get involved? Well, like I said, someone had reached out to me and then I was able to discover all of these really great groups on Facebook. So, um, you know, look on, do some search. They're usually like location. So if you know location on the camps and then migrant camp. So like I work with the I-70 and Pecos group. There's also uh, like just different groups for the different camps. So online, look on your online resources. The city of Denver is also asking for a lot of help. Yeah. Um, so they there are volunteer opportunities with the city. They're especially looking for Spanish-speaking volunteers. And they're really trying to do a lot to make the holidays really special. So the city is doing a toy drive, which you can go online and um, look up the different lists for toys to donate. Um, yeah, a lot of people in the camps are doing holiday celebrations because we've been there serving meals, but we haven't actually sat down and had a meal. So we're going to make sure that we do that at our camp Um but yeah, there's lots of ways. Definitely look into City and County Denver. There are um, drop-off locations too. If you have donations, yes. like I said, don't just drop them off at the camps. Um, they're very organized about how they're getting that. Yeah, those I think items there's out. two. We can put a link in the show notes. But there's two specific sites where they're yes. taking donations for the migrant families, and that's like coats and and just clothes, especially for kids. Yes, they winter boots. They have a whole. A, shortage of winter boots you have people are coming here from a warmer climates and i've seen a lot of people just you know double wool socking with sandals and oh, we can't have that like no. we need to make sure people have and i proper know a lot gear. of us have closets full of shoes we're not wearing yes just bag them up um now it's time to hear from our wonderful listeners uh you folks reach out to us you share your thoughts and feelings about things that we talk about on the show and we've got a couple comments uh, from the CityCast Denver hotline so this is actually an email from Aaron from Wash Park hey CityCast I have a random question that I've been mulling over lately Denver has two large blue animal statues blue Sefer and the conference center bear I'm gonna I'm gonna talk a little bit about what those are called actually called in a minute because they're pieces of art but they're known as blue Sefer and the big blue bear um, what do you think is the relationship between the two? Are they friends, enemies, family, something else? I personally lean towards star-crossed lovers cursed to never meet. But my sister voted for sworn enemies who are secretly in love. Anyway, I thought I'd throw you a weird one today. LOL. Thanks as always. Thanks, Aaron. Well, okay, Justine, do you have you ever thought about the relationship between these two pieces of public art? Yes, I think they're enemies and they're going to have an epic battle through the city like Godzilla <laughs> and Mothra. 
And actually, son artists uh, draw that during the chalk art festival. Oh, year. yeah. yeah. They and draw this artists. battle really happening. That's how I see it. Like, yeah, when it all goes down, there's going to be the battle for Denver, the blue bear versus Lucifer. So the big blue bear is actually called I See What You Mean. I know. Not as catchy. Uh, it's by an artist named Lawrence Argent. And then uh, Lucifer is also actually known as the Blue Mustang uh, by Luis Jimenez. I have actually never thought of these two things in context to each other. Wow. I can't. They kind of exist in separate worlds to me. So I also, I don't know. I just think of, I think of them like I think of the French fry stack. They're a piece of art oh, that yeah. I <laughs> acknowledge that, that like are demarcations of a part of the city. You know yeah, I mean? yeah. But no, I, I think that thought. I think of the epic battle and I think Blucifer, I'm team Blucifer would win the. For sure. The battle. The red, the red eyes. For sure. Yeah. Okay. And then we've got a voicemail. Hi, this is Courtney calling from Ruby Hill. I was listening to last week's episodes about retrofitting buildings downtown and the Johnson administration mandating that all their employees go back to working downtown and just wanted to float an idea that I think a great use of empty office space would be on-site childcare, which very few companies and workplaces do in Denver or really America. Uh, I think there's only one pet company in Denver that does it, but it, I feel like it really would be a great way to help two different aspects of getting people downtown, but also making sure that you're supporting your employees. Um, and there's so much empty office space. I think people could definitely make it happen. So just want to weigh in with an idea. Love CTS Denver. Thanks so much for all you do. Bye. I love this idea. What do you think, Jesse? Courtney, you are genius. I know. I'm 100% on board. Do you know the cost of childcare in Colorado is the cost, uh, the same cost as a year of tuition in community college. I am honestly not surprised at all. Like we have a very affordable childcare situation because our parents watch our son half time. But I have friends that have kids in full time care and it's like more than their mortgage. It's like, you know what I mean? And so also the accessibility of having a childcare in where you work is like invaluable, especially if your kid's sick or you know what I mean? And you don't have to go somewhere else before you go to work. You take your kid with you. It's so smart, Courtney. I love it. I love this idea. It's a whole layer of reproductive rights and justice too. Yes. Is, you know, having children and then us doing the crazy thing of supporting <laughs> parents and the yeah. infrastructure of raising children should be, our work infrastructure should be built around helping people raise healthy, happy, safe children. Totally. I it's like really, it. it's something I didn't, I am, I regret that I didn't think about as much until I had a kid. And now I think about it everywhere I go. Like, is this a, something I can bring my kid to? Then I can't come. Like, yeah, that's something for social activities, but for work, you don't have a choice. You yeah. have to go to work. So great idea, Courtney. I love it. Um, okay. Well, Justine, thanks for joining me today. This was so fun. It was my pleasure. That's all for today here on CityCast Denver. If you enjoyed this show, why not take a minute to tell Cindy Lou Who about us? Rate the show wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to our morning newsletter and learn more about us at denver.citycast.fm. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. See ya. Oh, well, you need a butt. You need something going out, hanging out with friends. I'm like, give me some.
Yeah, that I used to drink sweet red bean juice every once in a while. 